Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. It's been worth it these years serving the Lord. Many of us have been serving the Lord for a long time. He's been faithful to us. I have a picture on my desk in my office, and I'm standing there with Dr. Lee Robertson. And uh, that was years ago, like 1984 when he, or 94 when he first started coming to Shining Light. And uh, that is a long time ago, isn't it? My four-year-old granddaughter picked it up the other night, and she pointed at me, and she said, Who is this, Papa? And I said, Well, that's me. She said, That's you? I said, Yeah, that's me when I was young. She looked at it, and she said, This is you when you were young. And then she pointed at me, and she said, And this is you when you're old. And I said, Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is you when you're old. I mean, pointing right at me. And I'm thinking, Wow. I mean, that gives it a fresh perspective, don't it? I mean... Uh, I'm still thinking I look kind of like the guy in that picture. And she's thinking, no, I see the difference. And I'm just going to be honest with you about this and lay it out there, Papaw. You're just going to have to accept reality and uh, just know where you're at. But uh, such is life. So many challenges, adventures, and joys along the way. How long has it been since we laughed and rejoiced in the Lord and really just enjoyed a given day or a moment? Someone said your whole life would change if you would laugh for 10 minutes each day. It would change your whole life. And uh, I think about what one noted writer and minister of the gospel, R.A. Torrey, said, There's more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world 365 days. I've tried them both. Isn't that true? The joy we have in the Lord Charles Spurgeon said, There is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dolorous or downcast spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. For the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. I wonder, when people see us, are they drawn to us? Is there something interesting about us, something that piques people's curiosity, perhaps at times even, what's different about him? What's different about her? What do they have that I wish I had? I think about this, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me back to the book of Nehemiah. Remember, we're here studying this series, and rise and shine. They said, let us rise up and build. There was a time of great affliction and time of great need in their midst. But God had reassembled them. The house of the Lord had been rebuilt. The walls had been rebuilt. 
through Ezra and Nehemiah, God was working to reestablish not only the worship in the house of God, but the citizenship of the people of God. All those who had traveled back and they were looking uh, for their names and for the records and things to document this new beginning, this new start of the citizens of Jerusalem. And God's Word teaches us that there is with Jesus Christ always hope of a new day, a better day, a new beginning. Troubles, yes. Trials, yes. Loss, yes. Sometimes too much to be calculated. Such loss, such grief to bear, to carry. And yet, we lived just one day after another, woke up to see another day, and one day became a week, and a week, a month, a month, a year, and then years passed, and sometimes in our sorrow, God quickened us and gave us faith to believe one day God can turn this thing around. One day my sorrow won't have as such a hold upon my heart as it does now. There's a better day coming. See, there's that kind of hope for the people of God. And sometimes years may even pass. I've learned that, you know, as, as life kind of starts getting extended <laughs> and you move on through it, it's like, wow, something I thought was long gone years ago, here it's, it's come back around to me. It's come full circle. I'll tell you, as long as there's life, there's hope. And do not give in to the despair of a difficult or disappointing circumstance in your life at present. There is a God in heaven, and the Bible says here in the book of Nehemiah, He will prosper us. He will bless us if we will trust and obey and rise up and do what he's given us to do. One writer says about Nehemiah chapter 8 here, the Word of God speaks about this matter of the servant of God putting things in place in strengthening the worship of the Lord. Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem in 444 B.C. Ezra was already there instructing the people in God's law. When the work of rebuilding was completed, Ezra held a great, quote, Bible conference during the Feast of Tabernacles. The emphasis in chapter 8 is on the book in verse 1 and 3 and 5 and 8 and 18. They honored God's Word and even by standing when it was opened in verse 5, listening when it was read and seeking to understand it when it was explained they rejoiced at understanding the Word of God and at obeying the Word of the Lord. It gave them great hope and great heart. God's Word gives not only the authority of His promise, but we have the backing of His power, knowing that what God has said, God not only can do, but God will do. And I want to tell you, as you study this passage here, it's amazing how the people gather themselves together 
in verse 1, as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Oh, they gathered together. That's what we're doing here today. We're gathering together and it's around the book of God. Uh, we sing to prepare our hearts to worship the Lord, to open our spirit to receive what God has for us, the seed of truth to be sown. But those seeds, when they are given and they take root, they bear fruit in our lives. And oh, the joy, the blessing that comes. And uh, the law, the Word of God was given. He stood upon a pulpit of wood, the Bible says in verse number four. Think about that. What I'm doing today, this pulpit of wood. And, and uh, I think about how he was standing before the people to open the word of God, the Bible says in verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And the people answered, Amen. Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. If we're not careful, we can become too technical, too formal. We think church is almost like just an, uh, an observer type thing, almost like uh, we go to watch someone else do something. No, we're not observers. This is not the court and you're in the arena. No, we're all in this thing together. We're here to worship our God, to lift our hands, to praise Him with our voice, to bow before Him in prayer. And that's from the heart. Rebecca and I were talking about this the other day. There are places that are truly dead. There is no fire. There are places to where there is something that is manufactured of man, and that's false fire. But thank God that there's still the true, real fire of God in heaven who breathes upon His Word and upon His people by His Spirit. Remember those dry bones and Ezekiel's day? What did he pray? He said, Come, O breath. The breath of God can breathe upon us again and quicken our hearts. That means bring life and light to open our eyes that we might see the Lord and that we might be strengthened in our courage and our commitment to Him and one another. Oh, may the Lord speak to our hearts this morning. I think of what we read here as they cause the people to understand the law in verse number 7 and verse 8, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what preaching is all about. You're helping people to understand. Now this is what God has said. This is what it means. This is how it applies to our lives. That's why we define words and we look for the very heart of what God is saying so we understand it. We get our minds around it, our hearts around it. The Bible speaks in Proverbs about those who have little to no understanding. They're just void of truth. They're void of life. They just don't get it. They don't have much depth in their thoughts or in their speech 
or in their actions in life. But God wants to deepen our faith, deepen our understanding, deepen our character and our commitment to Him and one another. It can't be just shallow and surface and, and based on feelings. I like you today. I, I don't like you, uh, you know, the next day. And we're kind of back and forth. That's what they do in elementary school. God wants us to grow up in Christ and to not only be thankful for the milk of the Word, but as we grow, we begin to thank God for the meat of His Word. That's what we need. They read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense, the meaning, and caused them to understand it. Here's what God says, here's what it means, and here's how it applies to our lives. Ezra stood before the people. The Bible says, and Nehemiah and the Levites taught the people in verse 9, and they said, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Think about how tender it was, all they'd been through. And it's like, wow, we get to hear God's Word again. It ought to be precious to us that we're able to come to the house of God. I promise you, there are those who are not able to be here today would absolutely love to be here. Brian Crook texted me on Friday and said, Mom's at home. She has a ways to go, and we're hoping at some point to be able to bring her back to church. And I said, we're going to be praying for you. We'd love to see Miss Margie back here. And I know she'd love to be back here. Can you imagine what a day that's going to be? Our buddy Frank's the same way. He's not been here for two and a half years. We're trying to work it out still so he can get here. I'm telling you, it's going to mean the world to him when he's able to come. It ought to mean something to us today that we're in the house of God hearing the word of the Lord because here we're gathered around. We're hearing the eternal word of God, not that of a man or a church. It's not one opinion versus another. It's not just, hey, here's my ideas or thoughts. No, this is thus saith the Lord, the God of heaven who made us. He speaks with authority and power, and we know what God says He's able also to do. And this was a day then of celebration. And we read in verse number 10, Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you see that? Underline it there. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I thought about this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There's to be a rejoicing among the people of God. His word reminds us of who he is and what he's done for us and who we are in him 
The Bible says don't rejoice because of certain things that you may think that are of higher priority. The greatest thing is that you know your God and your God knows you. He has forgiven your sin. He's saved your soul. He's changed your life. Oh, there's rejoicing today. You say, preacher, I just don't have a lot to rejoice about. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are your sins forgiven? Are you going to heaven one of these days? How many of you can say that by uplifted hand? You know the Lord. You have that assurance in your heart. I want to tell you, no matter what happens in this life, what you face in this life does not determine what you'll face in the life to come. The only thing that determines that is what you do with Jesus Christ. If you'll believe on Him, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, all them that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, I'm so grateful for the day that He drew me unto Himself. And he saved my soul and forgave my sin. You say, what do you got to rejoice in today? Pastor, the same thing you have to rejoice in. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you realize the day is going to come? The Bible says in Revelation 20 and verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, I thank God that heaven's my home. I'm rejoicing in the Lord today for who He is and what He's done in my life. I read this account of Messina, one of Napoleon's generals. He suddenly appeared with 18,000 men before an Austrian town which had no means of defense. The town council had nearly decided to surrender when the old dean of the church reminded them that it was Easter and begged them to hold services as usual and to leave the trouble in God's hands. This they did. And the French, hearing the church bells ringing joyfully, concluded that an Austrian army had come to relieve the place and quickly broke camp. Before the bells ceased ringing, all the Frenchmen had vanished. I want to tell you, there's something about this matter of joy, rejoicing in the Lord, the God of your salvation. It is a weapon, <laughs> even in the warfare that we face against our adversary, the devil, against so many others who would want to just rain on our faith and our confidence in God. The writer went on to say, the incident has often been duplicated in individual lives. They have rung the joy bells in the face of pain and sickness and poverty and fear and loneliness and all other trials. Then the joy bells have conquered. Speedily the foe has slunk away. Speedily the bell ringers have found themselves in possession of the field. For no enemy is quite so strong as faith accompanied with good cheer. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I remember when I got saved, I was so excited. Here I was, 18 years old. I grew up in just so many different things. I'd done so many things. Had even been somewhat religious, gone to church and professed faith in the Lord various times, but I never knew that my sins were forgiven. And when someone explained to me the gospel and I put simple faith in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, he changed my life. And I thought, you mean all my sins are gone. <laughs> Praise God, my sins are G-O-N-E, gone. Isn't that wonderful? I want to tell you, there's a strength 
and God rolling back the curtain of memory and showing you and me this morning where he brought us from and where we could be today without his divine intervention in our lives, in the salvation of our souls. Oh, may we rejoice in the Lord because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. My name is written down. I want to rejoice not only in salvation, but I want to rejoice in sins forgiven. You remember what David prayed in Psalm 51 and verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. I thought about this as, as they talk about this. Here it was a time of feasting and rejoicing among the people. God had brought them back. God had put things in place. God had preserved them from the enemy. And it's like, wow, God has been good. Here we are back home. I remember being out and about in public when we went on the junior senior trip and, and uh, everybody was walking around like it was basically pre-COVID. And I remember saying out loud to the, to the high school students, I said, wow, isn't this wonderful? It's like a new lease on life. This is the way it used to be. Man, this is great. I think about it. The rejoicing they had and what God had done on their behalf. Oh, what has he done on our behalf? Not only has he saved us, but sins forgiven as we've tried to walk with the Lord. Here we've stumbled, we've fallen but yet, I thank God that with the Lord there's room to make it right. Aren't you glad that He doesn't mark our iniquities? For the Bible says if He did, no one would be left standing. No one. You did this, you did that, all right, three strikes, you're out. And you got more than three strikes, believe me. Aren't you glad God doesn't mark them and then call them up against us? They're under the blood. Buried in the depths of God's sea of forgetfulness. Separated as far as the east is from the west. And David said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Re restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I, I want a free spirit again. I want to get this sin right, Lord. Thank you for giving me room to repent and get this thing right with you and with others. I remember one day uh, my father-in-law and I had walked in the store and, uh, and he saw a man that he hadn't seen in years. He said, hey, how you doing? We talked a little bit. And then we went to the front there. And on the way out, my father-in-law said, I remember something that happened in that man's life. But then he paused. He said, no, I'm not going to mention that because he may have gotten that right with God by now. And I'm going to just leave it there. I learned a valuable lesson that day. See, that's the way we are, right? Oh, so you, you heard what they did a while back. Oh, yeah, we heard that. Yeah, let's make sure others hear about it. That's us, right? <laughs> I'm glad the Lord, in essence, as a, the accuser of the brethren, Satan goes before the Lord and brings up our past. In essence, like the songwriter said, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. They're gone. They're forgiven. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh my, what a fresh start God wants to give us today. A new beginning. You say, well, you don't know how far I've been from the Lord, how long I've been away from the Lord. It doesn't matter. There's a God in heaven who will welcome you back home to Him 
in an instant. Room to get it right. You know, we ought to give, if God gives us room to get it right, we ought to give others room to get it right, to make it right with the Lord or with us. Ezra 9, 8 says, And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. A nail. What are you going to do with your nail of opportunity? With the time that you're here, you're going to nail some things down. You're going to get some things right with God and right with others. Oh, practically. Oh, we could talk about a lot of things today, but think about what God says is at the very heart of our rejoicing in Him. Salvation by grace through faith. Sins forgiven. Getting things right with God and each other. Hey, if God will forgive us, surely we can forgive one another. Life is filled with fault and failure and shortcoming. I read with amazement that Google has a graveyard of failed projects. Some of these projects cost them tens of millions of dollars and eventually got shut down. Google Plus, Google Print, Google Hangouts. Some 167 projects are in Google's cemetery. And this author said, we forget a crucial point in entrepreneurship. There's no guarantee of success regardless of funds, top-notch team, and access to the market. If the most innovative company in the world can experience failure, it is quite possible for us to create projects from time to time that fail. Here's the danger we have a lot of times. We think we are the only one who ever fails in life. Everyone else succeeds. They never struggle like we struggle. They never stumble like we stumble. We think, I mean, it's just everything they touch is gold. It turns to gold. And yet here we are struggling, stumbling, trying to get back up again. I'll tell you, there's not a person here today who doesn't have to get back up from time to time. In life, it's not whether you never fall down. It's whether or not you keep getting back up. Get up one more time than you fall or fail. Humble yourself before God. He's giving you a space of grace, room to make it right. Get it right with God today. Humble yourself before the Lord. Don't assume upon the Lord. The time came when Esau... He didn't value his birthright. And, and then he said, you know, what is this going to do to me if I starve to death? And so he sold it. I mean, just for a bowl of lentils, basically, vegetable soup. And then the time came when he wanted the blessing because he realized, whoa, I shouldn't have done that. And he sought it carefully with tears. The Bible even says, I hate that. I want it back. You deceived me. To his brother. But God says he couldn't get it back. That time had passed. If you can still get something back, you better get it back. You can get your walk back with the Lord, we know. But what about your opportunity? What about certain relationships? While you have them, the people are still in your life. Get them back. Don't let them go. The time may be that you want them. Listen, that opportunity that you despise today, I'm tired of it. I'm weary with it. I'm just aggravated and frustrated. I don't want this. I just give it away. That opportunity from God that you despise today, you'll desire tomorrow. 
Lord, help me to keep short accounts with you and with others, Lord. Help me to rejoice in you anew over salvation, over sins forgiven. Yes, we have fault, we have failure. Everyone does. It's not whether or not you ever fail. It's what you do with your failures. It's what you do with your sins. It's what you do with your differences. When things are broken down in your life with you and another, what do you do with them? Life is so much about, not about what happens to us, but about what we do with what happens in our lives. And lastly, we think about this. He says here, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And as they understood the goodness of God and not only what He had done for them, they wanted to be kind in sharing the blessings with others that God had given them in verse 10. I'll tell you, one thing about being saved, if you truly know the Lord, you just can't keep it to yourself, can you? you got to tell somebody. The Bible says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance, Luke 15, 7. If God rejoices at people being saved, we ought to rejoice in people being saved. In fact, we ought to be on the pursuit of giving the gospel to people. For Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you to become what? Fishers of men. Are we going to be a witness for the Lord? You want revival in your life? Sometimes you'll get revival not only by seeing someone else saved, but by just rehearsing to them what God has done in saving you. You'll stir your heart in you. What is God doing in your heart today to quicken you, to bring someone to mind that you need to reach out to? We're living in a world that needs Christ. This world's headed toward judgment. God's people are headed toward deliverance. We don't know what we'll face between here and heaven. But we know this world is not our home. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that this is not all there is to it. There's a land that's fairer than day. Oh, what hope we have. Someone said there's something better than going to heaven. Well, what in the world would that be? That's taking someone else with you. A loved one. Oh, the most important thing when it all is said and done is what you've done with Jesus Christ. You say, no, I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to get ahead. I'm trying to get more of this world's goods. I, I read with stunning, shocking amazement this account of the long-standing attorney in a line of district attorneys from Islington, South Carolina. This is just inside the state, back from Charleston, greater Walterboro area. Alex Murdoch. How many of you have heard of that story? Stunning. 63 years old, charged this week with two counts of murder, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime in connection with the June 7, uh, 2021 deaths of his wife, Maggie, 52, and their son, Paul. If you read the story, how it unfolded, it's just so sad. They lived on a 1,770-acre estate. They had everything this world could offer materially. One commented on this article and said, I was living in Buford when all this was breaking. This is a perfect example of a family that had everything, but it still wasn't enough. 
whatever you get of this world's goods. If you get it honest, thank God for it. But if you're looking to that to bring utter satisfaction and peace, you'll come up disappointed. This world cannot give you what only Jesus Christ can give you. Oh, he wants to give you peace, true joy, true victory today. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When I look, when I look at myself, I get distressed. Anybody else feel that way about yourself? <laughs> you know, I look within, I look without, I get distressed. But I've learned to look up because that's when I'm blessed. I look to the Lord. God's faithful. I'm saved. If I die today, I'm going to heaven. Whatever I face in this world, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You won't have to go it alone. Where you go, I go with you. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.